0: Thank mm-hmm. you. Welcome to Pilgrimage. Uh, my name is Mike Angel. This is our last class in this pilgrimage series, uh, which is our class for seekers, for newcomers, really for anybody asking questions of the faith. We have been over the past, the last couple of months, going through a series of practices called the Way of Love uh, offered by presiding Bishop Michael Curry. And we've been using those practices as a way to organize our introduction to um, Christianity in the eyes of the Jesus movement, Um, really uh, the Jesus movement in the eyes of the Episcopal Church. Like how are we uh, as Episcopalians, how do we approach these practices? How do we approach the questions of faith? Um, In this last class, we're gonna be taking a look at two specific questions are two specific practices. So again, as a reminder, these practices are turn, learn, pray, worship, bless, go, and rest. In the last class, we talked about rest, about the practice of Sabbath. And in this final class, we're gonna take a step just back from that and look at the two practices, bless and go. Bless and go we're gonna talk about how the church goes out into the world, ways in which we connect with our wider community, ways in which we seek to be of service and we work for justice. Uh, This is a picture of me and our Bishop uh, Dion Johnson. It was actually just before uh, Bishop Dion became Bishop Dion last summer in the wake of the killing of George Floyd. he and I and a number of other clergy and lay leaders from our church and from our diocese were marching in Clayton as part of the St. Louis protests. We're gonna be talking today about the way in which the church encounters the world and the practices of Christians in that encounter. So first a word about service and justice. Uh, This is a window from in our church of St. Francis who is maybe one of the most known saints around questions of service. Uh, St. Francis was a servant of the poor. I heard a, I got the chance when I was living right after college with the Episcopal Church in Honduras to go visit another graduate of my college, a Roman Catholic nun named Sister Nancy. And Sister Nancy had spent uh, time in Chile Uh, And at the beginning of the Pinochet regime, she had lived in El Salvador just as the Salvadoran War was getting going. Um, She had been a nun down there around the time of Oscar Romero and the Jesuits. She'd been really engaged in questions of justice uh, with the church. And Sister Nancy Um, It also made me a little bit nervous to be in Honduras at the same time as Sister Nancy made me wonder what was going to happen in the country I was in since she'd been in two Latin American countries at times of really great strife. But I'll never forget a story that Sister Nancy told. Sister Nancy talked about meeting Mother Teresa. And of course, I was paying close attention because Mother Teresa is a great big celebrity in the faith and uh, I wanted to hear what one nun had to say about another nun. And Sister Nancy said um, she enjoyed meeting Mother Teresa, but after listening to her talk, she waited and waited, and uh, she was waiting to ask a question of Mother Teresa. And Mother Teresa, of course, is known for being a servant of the poor in Calcutta, for taking care of lepers in the streets of Calcutta, known all around the world for her acts of charity and service. And Sister Nancy said she waited, and then toward the end of uh, Mother Teresa's time with her group of nuns, she asked the question, Mother Teresa, uh, your your service among the poor is legendary. Uh, Can you tell me what is your order doing so that people don't face such awful conditions, so that people don't face such terrible situations? What are you doing uh, to work for justice? And Mother Teresa said, that's not my charism. That's not my gift. And Sister Nancy said, I'll never forgive her. That story I tell because it's funny, but because there's something to it, I think, as well. Um, I think in faith, we have to ask, how is our church, how is our faith a blessing to our neighbor, How does our faith compel us to act, both to be of service and to seek justice? And so I wanna talk about both today. First, I wanna talk about service. I'm gonna be talking specifically how our church Holy Communion approaches these questions. And for us, there are a number of ways which you can get involved if you want to be of service to your neighbor. You can tell some of these pictures are from the before times before the pandemic and some of them are from uh, the current times. Uh, So my colleagues, our um, members, Lisa and Julie are here with our laundry love sign outside the classic Coin laundromat. This is during the pandemic on a winter night, we were there, Uh, you can see their masks on, but we have had a program for almost four years now Uh, called Laundry Love at Classic Coin Laundry the first, no, excuse me, the third Tuesday of every month. There it is right on the sign. The third Tuesday of every month, uh, right now from six, normally it's 6.30, but during the pandemic, we've actually extended hours from six o'clock to eight o'clock. We show up at Laundry Love. We show up at Classic Coin and we bring the quarters uh, and folks bring their laundry and we have soap and we have, um, Uh, dryer sheets, and we encounter our neighbors and offer to pay for their laundry. In normal times, you can see we don't wait outside. Um, We've been able to keep the ministry going during the pandemic by hanging out outside. Every once in a while, we can catch somebody who'll go put their laundry in the machines, then come out and talk with us. But in normal times, you can see we're right there in the mix of everything. Uh, Laundry love is this wonderful time when we take classic coin laundry and we turn it into a community center and we have kids activities and homework help and we have pizza and we've just, there's something magical that happens when you uh, hand somebody quarters and let them start their laundry. Cause when the machines start tumbling, you've got 45 minutes to an hour and a half, depending on how long the laundry takes to just, be in community with folks. Um, up above, you can see that's one of our um, families in the Church of the Bonds family uh, at our Trinity food ministry. We partner with a church, an Episcopal church in the Central West End called Trinity. Uh, every third Sunday of the month usually is our Sunday. We serve a hot meal. Uh, we've got a few volunteers that volunteer throughout the month uh, at the food pantry that's there on Tuesday afternoons. Uh, But we work with Trinity uh, on questions of food insecurity uh, and the Bonds family usually every year also runs a hat and um, sock and warm gloves drive uh, ahead of Christmas because we're usually there very close to Christmas on the third Sunday. And so we also give out hats and gloves and socks uh, to our uh, food insecure neighbors as well. We've got these long-standing relationships of direct service, opportunities to get engaged and to served directly. But I think Holy Communion also does a pretty good job of asking the question, how is our service different than if we were a rotary club or a sorority or a fraternity? We value service, but what makes it different? And I think for us, what makes it different is this idea that Jesus gives us in Matthew, um, at the toward the end of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus's disciples ask where they will find Jesus when he's gone, and Jesus says, "Well, you'll find me whenever you serve, uh, whenever you you clothe the naked, whenever you feed the hungry, whenever you visit." those who are in prison, whenever you comfort the sick, as much as you do unto the least of these, you do unto me. I think what makes it different is that our service prioritizes relationship. When we're at our best, what we're trying to do is build relationship. One of the things that makes Laundry Love so transformational is not just that it helps people get laundry done who need to get their laundry done. It's not just that it makes uh, financial decisions toward the end of the month easier for some families who are having to decide whether they're going to buy school supplies for their kids or get clothes cleaned. It's the relationships that get built. Through Laundry Love, we've built some relationships that have helped folks. We've built some relationships that have helped folks. Um, We we helped an older woman who was living in really substandard housing uh, encounter her landlord and get some issues fixed. Uh, We helped somebody else get moved from one place for another. Uh, We've had volunteers that have helped people register to vote and sign up for food stamps. We've built relationships at Laundry Love We've got families that come every month that are members of that ministry and look forward to seeing us and seeing one another. We're building community, we're building relationships. I'll say a little bit more about that in the long run, but I think from Christ's perspective, the hope is not just that there's a transaction that takes place in service but that in a Christian perspective, from a church perspective, the hope is that a relationship is born that can be transformational. It leads us into questions of justice. When we talk about building relationships, how do we build relationships that compel us to act? And how do we build power to make change? At Holy Communion, we're in the midst of asking those two questions. Um, on the page for pilgrimage at holycommunion.net for this particular class. So if you're watching it on the page, it'll be down below. If not, I'll put it in the links after the video is done live on Facebook and on YouTube. Uh, it'll be in the links uh, on the comments as well. But we have a program called Faithful Action at Holy Communion, and it's still in its early days, I would say. Holy Communion has marched several times. Um, we've participated in everything from the Pride March to the Women's March uh, to community rallies against gun violence and vigils with the LGBTQ community. But I'm part of a school of thought around justice that says that power is not a bad thing. Power is the ability to make change. And you have as much power as you have relationships. So uh, this is actually an action that I was a part of in Washington, D.C. here in the picture. Uh, My church where I served in D.C. made these T-shirts, but we were part of an interfaith organization that organized for power, that organized together to make change. And we organized, one of the years that I was there, a big action in Washington, D.C., because we were trying to get the city to invest again in more services for the homeless, Uh, particularly a very particular program called Permanent Supportive Housing. This was a long campaign. We started early um, in this campaign, long before we did an action. We started by listening. We listened first to a number of churches in the downtown Washington DC area to ask what was going on in their lives, what was an issue of justice that they were sort of stirred up about. And it turned out we were all concerned about our neighbors who were experiencing homelessness. And so we started getting to know some of our homeless neighbors and there were community leaders within the homeless community that we started to get to know. And we started asking questions about, with them about what were the issues they were facing and part of what we were hearing was that there had been a program in Washington, D.C. that worked to house the most vulnerable among the homeless, folks with multiple addictions, often multiple diagnoses of mental illness, folks that were gonna have the hardest time ever uh, getting up on their own feet, uh, folks that oftentimes this the system doesn't serve well because So often in homeless services, even today, uh, bright leaders in government will condition help on whether you can stay clean and sober or whether you can hold down a job. Well, folks with multiple addictions and multiple mental health um, issues, uh, oftentimes those two are linked because folks with multiple mental health issues that can't get health insurance end up self-medicating with street drugs but they were gonna have the hardest time staying clean or holding down jobs. And there were a number of folks in the homeless community that were concerned about some of their most vulnerable members in the community. And they said there used to be this program called Permanent Supportive Housing that would go and find the most vulnerable folks The folks that were the least likely to be able to take advantage even of programs that were available, uh, that were the least likely to ever get a job or sell street sense or be able to have some hustle. The folks that really were vulnerable, they said there used to be a program that worked to put them in housing first, to give them social workers and nurses and get them with a roof over their head and and, and square meals and support it. That program existed and under the mayor's administration of the current mayor, that program went away and we want to see that program come back. So a number of churches and synagogues got together and we worked with these homeless advocates over the course of about a year Uh, and this was our biggest action. At one point there was a city council race that was going on and in Washington DC, unlike in the state of Missouri, you can vote early. That's encouraged in Washington DC. So we created an early voter action. We printed all these t-shirts and handed them to homeless folks. And we got about 200 people together to talk about the issues of homelessness in Washington DC, talk specifically about why it was important for the city council to invest again in permanent supportive housing. And then we just went and voted together. And it was awesome because for the next several months, whenever I walked around in um, Washington, D.C., I would inevitably see somebody from the homeless community who was wearing an I am a voter shirt. They're patterned after the I am a man slogan from the civil rights period. But we built relationships. We built relationships and asked what would be a fundamental thing that would change the power dynamics here? We built those relationships, we acted together, and in the end, we won six million additional dollars in the city uh, to go towards permanent supportive housing. The city council restarted the program, started accepting more people in. It takes time, it takes energy to build that kind of change, and it takes relationships. We're in the building phase at Holy Communion, but if you want to learn more, if you want to be involved in that kind of action, I'd encourage you get involved with our faithful action, reach out to me. Um, We're looking for partners to help us to build that kind of listening process at Holy Communion right now. But it's an example of a way a faith community can go and listen to their neighbors and seek to be a blessing in their neighborhood. At Holy Communion, we also believe that international um, partnerships, international relationships are important. Uh, This is something that is sort of a common theme for churches. Um, A lot of churches tend to have an international partnership. And you may not be surprised if you've been around Holy Communion a little bit, but we try to do that a little bit differently. Uh, We don't partner with a sister parish in Latin America. Uh, We don't raise money for a school really, or uh, we've never gone to dig a well um, in the last six years in this partnership. We partner with an organization that fights for human rights in Central America, an outfit called Cristo Cell. It was founded out of the Anglican Church in El Salvador, uh, and we do pray for them every week in our prayers of the people. We also alternate visits every other year in normal times. If, if there weren't a pandemic going on, we would actually be getting ready to go down to El Salvador this summer. Uh, but we will, when we're able to go down, we will take a group down to visit but we go also invite Christo up to uh, St. Louis. We've invited leaders up. We've had presentations at um, Holy Communion and at Washington University around questions of civil rights and human rights. Uh, this picture I took on one of my trips, I actually, in addition to Holy Communion's partnership, I've actually been invited to join the board of Christo and you can see in this picture, I got to accompany a couple of years ago, a group of families who are family members of folks who were killed in the largest massacre that has happened in modern history in this hemisphere. During the civil war in El Salvador, at one point, the armed forces of the country came into the village of El mosote and killed over a thousand people more than half of them were children and a number of them were slaughtered inside the church in the village. Most of the bullets were used are bullets that the U.S. government provided that were manufactured right here in Missouri. Christosal, in its strategic litigation, is helping to prosecute this case. And they've been working on this case. It's a case in the Supreme Court in El Salvador for a number of years now. And it's not just been about preparing the prosecution. They've had to have strategic communications, um, and they've had to fight back several legislative attempts to change the law so there would be no case. But they're making steady progress. If this case is won, it would be a huge deal because it would say there is a precedent in Latin America, there's a precedent in El Salvador, that if you commit this kind of crime, you can be prosecuted, you can be held to account. So our partnership is different. Our partnership seeks um, to educate us about questions around human rights, about the connections between our government and businesses in the United States and human rights abuses in Latin America. And whenever we go down to Central America, we take a group of folks and we encounter a similar sized group of Central American activists and folks who are working and we join a class together around questions of human rights. Together in our international partnership, we take a position of learning. It's not that Holy Communion comes down to teach folks, it's that we come to join a community of learning and a community of advocacy to try to learn how to better support human rights throughout the whole region. So our international partnership of Christos All, you can learn more about by following the link at the bottom of the page for this class. And encourage you to do so. And I'll be putting more information out after Easter. But if you're interested in learning more about the approach of human rights, Holy Communion, since we're not sending a group to El Salvador this year, is gonna offer some scholarship support for some of the distance learning. Uh, Christosal is doing global school, that's what they call the, the programs like our pilgrimages down there. They're doing global school courses online these days. And Holy Communion would offer a partial or full scholarship if you'd like to participate in one of their online courses and get to know our partners a little bit more. So some of you grew up in traditions where if you were going to another country, you would be going there to tell the good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, and if you were engaged in service, you might be engaged in evangelism or proselytizing. And so what about evangelism? What about this question of when the church goes outside of its doors, what are we supposed to do? I wanna say a word about that. Uh, You might be surprised to hear, but I can be a bit of an evangelical self-identified. I think it is important to tell the good news. I think that Holy Communion has good news to offer, that Jesus is good news but you might also not be surprised to hear that I think it means something pretty different than a lot of people mean when they use the words evangelism. I think it's important that we witness to our faith. This week I wrote a post in response to uh, a ruling that came out of the Vatican. The Vatican, once again, put out a ruling that said that, lesbian and gay people, people in same-gender relationships, whether they're identified like that or not, the the language in the Vatican makes it difficult to use contemporary language for these questions, but basically the LGBTQ plus community had to listen to the Vatican this week say again that same-gender love is sinful, uh, that uh, pushing back against gender and sex norms is a sinful thing to do. And I responded and said that the Vatican is wrong. For the last several years, Holy Communion has participated in the LGBTQ plus pride parade. And it was actually a restart of something that Holy Communion had been doing um, back in the early 2000s, late 90s. We engaged with pride. And pride is a pretty good example of ways in which we are committed to being evangelicals. Evangelism comes from a Greek word, uh, "angelos." So you see the word "angel" right in the middle of it. Uh, an angel is just a messenger, somebody who brings news. and "eu" um, what well, we turn into "ev," but the first bit. Uh, that word in Greek means good. Evangelism just means spreading good news. And honestly, I think a church like Holy Communion has good news to share. I think it is good news that there is a church that is serious about confronting racism. I think it is good news that there is a church that is serious about women's leadership, not just tolerating women's leadership, but centering women's leadership. I think it is good news that there is a church that is committed to doing the work of building relationships with the trans community in our city. I think it is good news that there is a church that not only lets LGBT people worship with us, not only blesses marriage, but is willing to show up in the place where the LGBTQ plus community celebrates and to bless pride as well, to march in the parade. And for a couple of years, we've also, and we're looking at ways to do this this year as well. We've also helped organize an interfaith service at pride. I think it's good news that such a church exists and takes that kind of stand. I also think that as Christians, we're being invited to think about the practices of going and blessing. So when we go out from church, I mean, these days that means when we click um, done from watching the video, but someday when we're back in the church again, when we're invited uh, to go into the world, how do we do that in a way that we are a blessing? How does our faith show up in unexpected places? the Pride Parade, or through something like our Theology on Tap program in the pub, or like we were talking about before with Laundry Love at the laundromat. And honestly, in the last year, as we've embraced the online space more and more, what does it mean to witness to our faith online? What does it mean to share something that a clergy member from our congregation wrote or to share a sermon, or to write a little bit about our own perspective about uh, something that came out and seemed to be big news about faith, like the pronouncement from the Vatican this week, how do we engage those places? It brings us back to that question I asked in that second slide around service, I think, When we think about going, when we think about blessing, it asks us to think about how is my faith tied to my values, tied to the way in which I engage in our world, tied to the ways in which I work for justice. There's also a question about how can I do that non-anxiously? The Episcopal Church doesn't need you to win people for Jesus. That's not the point. I don't need you to grow the church by convincing all of your friends that they ought to give up on the good church that they're a part of and join ours or change their religion entirely to come to us. That's not the point. But could we non-anxiously say, as a person of faith, I think it's important to show up for this question of justice. As a person of faith, I think it's important to reach out in service and build a relationship with my neighbor. I don't need to be hyper anxious about that just because, you know, other churches, other people who call themselves Christian have defined the terms of what that means. I can just simply quietly say, I'm doing this because I believe. I know that I need to be engaged in questions of service and justice because. I believe that Jesus tells us that God takes a side, that God is always on the side of the marginalized, that God is always with those who are least and lost and left out in our world. I don't have to be anxious about getting it right, but I can just engage. Finally, in this question of go and bless, I said that I would Talk a little bit about ways to get engaged. This is our last pilgrimage class and so on Monday the 22nd we'll have our last gathering on Zoom to talk with each other and you'll have finished a big commitment in church and so we would ask you to think about getting engaged in another way in the life of our parish. As a member of our church Helen Burton who is worn all kind of hats in the life of the church. But uh, Helen at one point was helping with newcomer ministries. And she had this great phrase that I loved. She said, if you really want to belong to a church, you need to do more than just worship. You need to do worship kind of plus two. You need to be involved in about two more ministries and right now in the pandemic, that can be kind of hard. It's not as easy to just show up for a book group or come to a Bible study. It, it takes a little bit more or it takes a little bit less because you can also just sign into a lot of those things online on Zoom. But we are always looking for volunteers to help with reading on Sundays, uh, to help with producing. You can see the picture below. This is um, part of our computer setup for the, uh, in the church, the way that we do worship on Sunday. We're always looking for folks that... Uh, Feel comfortable enough around computers that they can help with our production and run the cameras We're always looking for folks to sing. We have a choir even in the pandemic. It's a little awkward right now You sing by yourself and then it gets stitched together But in the coming months little by little we'll get the choir in person back and that is one of the honestly Most fun communities we have the choir The choir has way too much fun in my opinion, but if you're a singer, it's a good group Um, You can usher. That's a very church word. That means that you greet people. Right now, that means just filming a video and saying hi or showing up in the comments on Sunday morning on Facebook and welcoming folks. Um, You could help with administration. Uh, You could help with our online presence. You could help with um, all sorts of things that we need to do with business. We've got a great committee that helps write grants, both for us and for community partners. If you've got an experience grant writing, we'd love to have you. We've got a group forming that helps with communication. If you were pinged by that idea of evangelizing online and sharing things that come out from the church, we'd love to have you join in that conversation. Help us figure out ways to be more intentionally engaged online. And then there is, again, with our um, in-person services, our distance parking lot services, there's some setup and cleanup. Uh, We're always looking for folks to help us haul stuff from the church to the parking lot and haul stuff back and get things set up. Uh, If that's something you'd be interested in, talk with me Monday, shoot me an email. And there's ways to be involved directly in questions of justice and service. Uh, we'd invite you to come to a Laundry Love some third Tuesday of the month. We're particularly looking right now for somebody who wants to be a dedicated Laundry Love leader. Uh, We've got three of them. We're looking for a fourth Laundry Love leader uh, who will be the person to make sure, you know, do the counting ahead of time, make sure we got the quarters and soap and things we need, help marshal the other volunteers. It's, It's a commitment. It's only about uh, once a month and, to, and then because it's shared, you know, once every other month commitment, but it's a commitment. We're looking for somebody um, we're always looking for folks for the Trinity meal. Um, and if you've got time on Tuesday afternoons, they're always looking for volunteers with the food pantry. Faithful action, I mentioned, but you can sign up to get the alerts right now. I'm actually looking for two lead coordinators to help me as we grow the faithful action ministry. We've set a goal this year to run a local campaign like the one I described in Washington. I'd love to talk with you if you're interested. And finally, and, and you can sign up right now if you want, the bar is a little high. The last pilgrimage class, um, two of the pilgrimage members, Jordan Aury and Ann uh, s- like restarted our food garden. You can see folks here last summer gardening. We provided over 100 pounds of charred to Trinity Food Ministry. And they are getting ready to plant the garden for this year and they're gonna need folks every week. The garden waters itself, but we always need help with weeding and with uh, harvesting and with preparing and transport and all of that. Usually that happens on Sunday afternoons um, after the church service. And it's it's one of the ways you can safely get together with folks outside in the life of the church, but they are getting started. You can sign up on our website, you can talk to me or Jordan if he's there on Monday night to learn more, but we'd love to have you involved. However you choose to get involved, we'd invite you to really think about intentionally engaging, intentionally engaging with the church, and then intentionally stepping out in the name of your faith as you go and as you bless the world in Jesus' name. Those of you in the class, I look forward to seeing you on Monday the 22nd for our last Zoom session. And look for emails from me this week. Thanks so much.